If you don't need to go there, wait another day until those conditions are more favorable. The warning from search and rescue teams after a series of avalanches near Pemberton Saturday leave one dead and several injured. Plus, this is going to be a devastating thing if we are not supported. BC farmers flooded out of business, desperate for help. Their plea to the province. And it's a big, ugly thing stuck on the beach. But apparently not for much longer. What we've learned about how the now infamous barge will be removed. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. One person has been killed and several others injured in a series of avalanches that came down near Pemberton on Saturday. As Grace Key reports, Search and Rescue says due to unstable conditions in the backcountry, the area is still not safe. It's been a deadly weekend with multiple backcountry rescue calls. Avalanches buried skiers in the Pemberton area and a dozen people need to be evacuated. Four skiers were caught in an avalanche on the north face of Cassiope Peak. One had serious injuries, two were not hurt, and one was found deceased. Another avalanche was on the Cassiope Trailhead. Two people were caught in it. They were able to make their way out. Pemberton Search and Rescue responded with the assistance of Whistler, deploying search teams, including two helicopters, avalanche dogs, and a longline rescue team. People in the parties that were on the scene, and they, uh, you know, certainly did a great job of keeping level heads and and uh, trying to get people out of the danger area as best they could and, and certainly point our uh, rescue teams into the right areas as well. The snowpack remains unstable and there is concern of additional avalanches in the coming weeks in the Sea to Sky backcountry. We just kind of caution people to, if they're heading out to the backcountry, it's really important that they go to the Avalanche uh, Canada website, uh, avalanche.ca, and uh, check the rating for the area that they're going into. Um, understand what those ratings are and the, the hazards that are in that area. And, uh, you know, we would just certainly caution people if you don't need to go there, wait another day till those conditions are more favorable. And near Powder Mountain, a snowmobiler suffered a severe leg injury. Whistler and North Shore Rescue responded. Using night vision goggles and other equipment, crews were able to locate the snowmobiler and load the person into a helicopter. This would have been absolutely impossible without night vision goggles. Uh, Whistler SAR tried to get to him but had bad coordinates. The original coordinates, through no fault of Whistler SAR, were not correct and they flew apparently for two hours trying to find the guy during the day. Uh, uh, just the difference is we can fly at night because, of, because of the night vision goggles. Anyone heading into the backcountry is being advised to check avalanche ratings and plan out trips first. Grace Key, Global News. BC farmers and ranchers devastated by flooding are cautiously awaiting a joint announcement from the federal and provincial agriculture ministers tomorrow. As Kristen Robinson reports, the governments are set to roll out what's being billed as the largest agricultural recovery program in the province's history. I've seen better. When the Nooksack River in Washington State burst its yeah. banks and started pouring north last November. That's our little tractor. We just got that got one. A lawnmower. The Gill family fled Sumas Prairie at the last minute. With no warning, dikes had breached until water was flooding their home. Having seen that, it was, it was devastating. Within hours, some of BC's most productive farmland was submerged, including 13 hectares on their BC blueberries farm. The once fertile soil contaminated debris everywhere. There was everything from, 
from uh, lost mailboxes to trash cans, everything. It just looked like a war zone, like a bomb went off. Harmandeep Singh Gill says they will replant, but it'll take time to grow back a healthy, viable crop. They need to know there will be government support for any loss of production. This is going to be a devastating thing if we are not supported with crop losses. In Merritt Sunday, ranchers on horseback leading a rally into town. This year we were hit with a double whammy with the Lytton Creek wildfire. Rhonda McDonald and her husband lost 20% of their herd before flooding wiped out cattle infrastructure and hay fields. They're hoping for help with the cost of hay, land recovery and remediation. We don't want the government to support us indefinitely. We want a hand to get us fixed so that we can go back to supporting ourselves and doing the job that we love. The Small-Scale Meat Producers Association says time is running out, with fields thawing and spring freshet approaching. The scale of the devastation is just hard to imagine if you haven't been here, and it isn't something that they're going to be able to quickly fix. With his family's future still restricted, Gill says governments must ensure diking systems are maintained going forward and that an alert system is set up to warn residents they need to move to higher ground. In the 21st century, there should be no way that a farmer has, is having to rely on his neighbours telling them if the water's coming. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The B.C. Liberal Party has elected a new leader after a whirlwind night Saturday with seven candidates on the ballot. Kevin Falcon will now take charge of the B.C. Liberals winning on the fifth ballot with 52 percent of the vote. Coming in second was Ellis Ross with almost 34 percent and Michael Lee was third with 14 percent. To recover from a poor party performance in the 2020 election, Falcon says he will focus on recruiting new and diverse faces. And with more, we're joined now by our Legislative Bureau Chief, Keith Baldry. So, Keith, not much of a surprise here with Falcon winning, but he does have quite the uphill battle to form government. Yeah, uphill battle on a number of fronts. Uh, Nidu, of course, the B.C. Liberals lost ground in traditionally strong areas in the last election, places like Chilliwack, Abbotsford, Langley, and Tri-Cities. And that's a result, I think, of a perceived problem internally, according to a post-mortem report, that the party lacks uh, diversity on a number of fronts. And Kevin Falcon, I know I had coffee with him at the beginning of the campaign. He re- realized that was their number one challenge to d- diversify on a number of areas, gender, uh, ethnicity, and such. A pledge he repeated last night. He says he signed up many members with that goal in mind. Here's Kevin Falcon. I've signed up thousands of new diverse members who are excited to be part of the BC Liberal family. And I know we'll welcome them and thousands more as we build this party into a growing sense of momentum and force and excitement and renew ourselves and renew this party and renew this province as we look to take over and govern the province of British Columbia. We'll do it together. Now, Keith, one of his first jobs will, of course, to be to get a seat in the legislature. How soon mm-hmm. do you think that could happen? It might be quite a while. He can actually uh, sit in the legislature as a former MLA. He, sits, he can sit on the floor but not at a desk. He can't participate in the debate. In terms of actually being able to win a by-election, first of all, there has to be a vacancy. No, there's not one yet. There has been speculation that former leader Andrew Wilkinson might step down. But then the government has six months in which to call that 
by-election. It's conceivable he could be in the House if there's a fall session and time for him to take a seat. Otherwise, he might not be in the legislature as a fully elected MLA until next spring. The session, of course, begins on Tuesday. Uh, but again, he's not, definitely not going to be in the, in the House as a sitting MLA in this session. Perhaps the fall, um, perhaps the next spring in terms of a vacancy being held. All right. Uh, taking it one step at a time, of course. But at this stage, do you think there are any other big names he could bring on to help revive the B.C. Liberals? Oh, uh, yes. The big star candidates, always a search for political parties, always searching for big names. I suppose former Surrey Mary Diane Watts will again surface as a potential candidate. She was Kevin Falcon's co-campaign manager. The two are close. She's ruled it out in the past, but we'll see if that takes hold as a promise not to run again come the next election. But again, I don't see a lot of other names out there. It's really hard for parties to recruit people right now to run for office on, on any level of government. All right. Fascinating as always in B.C. politics. We'll leave it there for now. Thanks so much for that, okay. Keith. The mayor of Ottawa has declared a state of emergency as protests paralyze the capital's downtown for an eighth day. The atmosphere at the protest is being compared to a carnival, but the mayor calls it a serious danger and threat to the safety and security of residents. Ottawa police say there are 1,000 vehicles and more than 5,000 people clogging the downtown core. Mayor Jim Watson calling for help from the provincial and federal governments. Police have issued more than 450 tickets to protesters since Saturday morning. But those responsible for maintaining law and order say the protests exceed their capabilities. Five people were arrested at the anti-mandate truck rally and counter-protests in Metro Vancouver on Saturday. Police say the protests were mostly peaceful, but officers did receive reports of people throwing eggs and rocks, kicking vehicles, and one person in particular was walking through crowds and challenging others to fights. One man, a 29-year-old Washington state resident who had a knife on him, was arrested after being seen pulling a wagon full of egg cartons near Burrard and Davie. Now is the time to start letting people have their freedom back. In Victoria, police say there were no major incidents to report and no arrests made. The legislature was the gathering point for a truck convoy that began in Campbell River. Some of the protesters have said they plan to stay at the legislature until all COVID mandates are lifted. Well, the potential war zone may be a world away, but rising tensions between Russia and Ukraine are being felt right here in B.C. Vancouver's Ukrainian community has joined others around the world today rallying against the threat of invasion. Our Paul Johnson, who has covered the conflict from Crimea, has more on what's at stake here. Rallying in Vancouver's Queen Elizabeth Park. Canadians of Ukrainian descent nationwide have taken to the streets, demanding more help from Ottawa. Every major city, there is some form of demonstration or car rally. Miroslav Petri's Sunday wardrobe choice of tactical camouflage shows where his head is at. And he may not be far off base. Part of the urgency is they've been here before. Following Putin's lightning seizure of Ukraine's Crimean Peninsula in 2014, members of Vancouver's Ukrainian community assembled first aid kits and raised money for the injured in that conflict. 
Canada has large and long-standing ties to Ukraine, with many calling on Ottawa to provide not just money and diplomatic cover, but weapons as well. What's happening there is scary. It seems no one outside the Kremlin is certain about the intentions of Russia's military buildup. Having now surrounded Ukraine on three sides, Putin has mustered enough troops and materiel to pull the trigger on what would be the biggest land invasion in Europe since World War II. But tempting as that option may be, Ukraine's position is far stronger than eight years ago. Its forces are better equipped, many times larger, and Ukrainians as a whole are showing no signs they would easily accept takeover by Russia. With the Beijing Olympics underway, most experts think Russia will observe the so-called Olympic truce and refrain from hostilities. But what about when they end? You may remember it was only a matter of days after the closing ceremonies in Sochi when Putin struck in Crimea. Whatever Putin's next move on the global chessboard is, Canada's Ukrainian community believes now is the time for Ottawa to do its part in changing his calculus. Paul Johnson, Global News. A dramatic arrest by an emergency response team in a normally quiet Surrey neighborhood this morning. Heavily armed officers negotiated for close to four hours with a man who was holed up in a home in the 16200 block of Glenwood Crescent in Fraser Heights. Neighbors reported hearing several loud bangs and large holes could be seen in the second floor windows. The ERT eventually brought out a male suspect who was taken away in handcuffs. Several dozen emergency vehicles, including an armored car and a small robotic device, arrived on scene shortly before 6 a.m. Police were responding to a possible firearms offense, but there's no word on whether a weapon was found. A woman accused of a random assault in Vancouver a few days ago is back behind bars for a series of similar offenses. 38-year-old Samantha Toledo was arrested Saturday afternoon after VPD officers spotted a person randomly kicking and punching people as she walked near Main Street and National Avenue. Toledo is also charged with assault in connection with an alleged incident February 1st where a 23-year-old woman was punched in the face near Marine Gateway in Marpole when she declined to give a cigarette to a stranger. Police in Edmonton described Toledo as violent and dangerous when she escaped from a women's institution there back in August of 2018. It has been 20 years since police raided the Port Coquitlam farm of Canada's most prolific serial killer, Robert Picton. And a warning, the details of this story are disturbing. We were called to the uh, pig farm in Port Coquitlam uh, late one night. They had a massive news conference under a tent. They said they had arrested somebody who hadn't been charged with any murders at that time. Former Global News reporter John Daly reflecting on the February 6, 2002 search of the pig farm. Within hours of officers armed with search warrants for firearms offenses arriving, the property became the site of the largest crime scene search in the country's history. Picton, now 72 years old, was charged for 26 murders connected to the disappearances of dozens of women from Vancouver's downtown east side. Relatives of the victims, many who were Indigenous, say authorities long denied there was a pattern to the disappearances or that they may be linked, and that more needs to be done before there's true justice. It was a horror show, and the families were right. 
they were ignored. I mean, there were families who went to the Vancouver police to report their sisters and, and relatives missing and were told basically buzz off. They, you know, they went to Alberta. They're on some sort of prostitution track and, and they were getting ignored. Evidence against Picton included body parts, multiple bones found in pigsties, and several DNA samples found throughout the property. In December of 2007, he was sentenced with life imprisonment with no ch- chance of parole for 25 years. It has been quite the attraction since it washed up on Vancouver's Sunset Beach back in November, but the giant barges' days there are numbered. As Amadagahi reports, a decision has now been made on how and when to get rid of it. Well, the information we have now essentially surrounds the plan to take another shot at removing the barge that has washed onto Sunset Beach. The barge itself really needs no introduction. It has been here for almost three months now. And while it's not exactly an eyesore for everybody, it has always been understood that eventually it would have to be removed. The barge washed up onto Sunset Beach during the November 15th storm. There have been unsuccessful efforts to remove the barge, so now the company that owns it says it is to be broken down into pieces. Century Marine Towing tells Global News it still needs permits and approval from the city, the park board, and local First Nations, as well as WorkSafe BC. But within 30 days or so, the company hopes to have a contract crew cutting the barge down with piece by piece being towed away. Well, that's good. The sooner it's gone, the better. That's, uh, it's ugly. <laughs> we have a beautiful beach and we have this big ugly thing stuck on it. Yeah, in fact, I was wondering if it was going to become a, a permanent fixture, like it's now an artifact, part of Vancouver, and well known. Um, from talking to you, I understand the city has a plan to take it away, but I'm sure it will be missed. Now, the owner of the barge says the area surrounding it could be fenced off for the duration of the project, which could take two months or so to complete. It is also reassuring everybody that environmental precautions are a big part of the job and top of mind. In Madagahi, Global News. Right, coming up after the break, the hazards of home heating. You might find it surprising to learn one of the largest factors causing climate change might be inside your house and how one BC city is trying to tackle the problem. Plus, dangerous disrepair, a new way to crack down on residential building owners being considered in Vancouver. Communities around BC are trying to come up with new ways to combat climate change, from switching to electric vehicles to buying locally grown food. But did you know that one of the biggest contributors to greenhouse gases may live in your house? Julia Foy explains how the city of Vancouver is trying to tackle the problem. Do you remember baking during the heat dome in June of last year? Or freezing during the cold spell in December? Both are blamed on climate change. There's a better way to heat your home. Now the city of Vancouver is encouraging homeowners to install heat pumps, which can cool in the summer and keep us warm in the winter, and drastically reduce carbon pollution. 60% of our carbon pollution footprint comes from space heating and hot water in buildings. And uh, single-family homes and and duplex homes are actually the largest part of that. Yes, your home is the biggest contributor to greenhouse gases. Gas-powered vehicles make up another 30%. It's me, Dave, and this is a heat pump. The city is asking for feedback till February 28th on a new bylaw, which asks homeowners to convert gas furnaces to electric space and water heating systems.
Since the Heat Dome, uh, there's been tremendous interest. Before the Heat Dome, there was also some interest, um, but the idea of and the sort of desire to have uh, cooling in your home has become uh, much more important, and a heat pump provides both efficient space heating as well as efficient cooling. The total bill for a heat pump conversion is estimated to be about $18,000, but with rebates of 12000 offered by Vancouver and BC Hydro, your tab could be reduced to 6000 but there are some challenges. Getting it right is really quite important. Uh, uh, heat pump systems are a little bit less forgiving than a uh, uh, traditional gas furnaces, uh, so they have to be um, pretty closely monitored to make sure that you're sizing them appropriately and that you, your equipment is meeting the appropriate uh, criteria. You will need a permit, and there are restrictions about where a heat pump can be installed due to noise concerns. Supply chain issues mean there might be a delay to get the equipment. But if you want to fight climate change, this could be a good way to help. As soon as it's practical, because the sooner we can uh, move in that direction, the better chance we have of being able to offset those uh, negative effects uh, of uh, uh, on the climate change that we're trying to offset. Julia Foy, Global News. A Vancouver City Councillor is taking a run at making sure single-room occupancy buildings are better maintained. Sarah Kirby-Young responding to a boiler breakdown at the Regal Hotel during the intense cold just after Christmas that left residents without heat for several days. City inspectors showed up to try to sort the mess out, but all they could do was check on the progress of repairs. They had no power to go in and actually fix the problem. And so now Kirby Young wants to give city staff a few months to propose solutions. Currently, uh, the onus is on the operator of a building to fix a major issue first. And then if they don't do that, they can be cited with an infraction of the bylaw by the city of Vancouver. And it's only that's only when the clock starts ticking. And it's from when they get that notice served uh, that they have up to 60 days to fix it. But if you are trying to survive with no heat, you know, in minus 10 degrees, um, that's pretty literally cold comfort um, because it could be months before the operator actually has to make those repairs. The motion goes to council on Tuesday. One person is being treated for critical injuries suffered in an East Vancouver apartment fire on Saturday night. Flames broke out in a second-floor suite of a building on Nanaimo Street near Grandview Highway just before 6 p.m. While the person was badly burned, he is expected to survive. Vancouver's fire chief says the building had a working fire alarm system, but the smoke alarm in the unit was not working. The fire is said to have been started accidentally. And Vancouver's fire chief says a fatal apartment fire earlier this week may have been caused by rechargeable batteries. Around 6 a.m. Monday, flames erupted in a fourth floor unit of this 12-story building on Pendrel Street in the West End. A 37-year-old man trapped inside suffered critical injuries and died in hospital. A woman was able to escape the burning apartment. Chief Karen Fry says early indications point towards lithium-ion batteries as a possible cause, and they are awaiting test results. Vancouver Fire Rescue tweeted this warning Friday, reminding people to be careful and stop using the batteries if there is an odor, change in color, or too much heat, as they can cause fires. All right, still ahead, health harms of melatonin. Why the popular sleep solution is coming under fire for its potential side effects. Plus, the changes coming into effect on cigarette packages in Canada start. I'm Don Howard.
showers below one high above the Iron Workers Memorial. As you can see, it's steady both ways. You're seeing no delays as you're going through the Cassier Tunnel. And then the only delay you are seeing is the new lights that are set up just at that Dollarton Main Street on-ramp. With BCAA car insurance, it's easy to renew from anywhere from ICBC Auto Plan renewals to exclusive savings. Visit BCAA.com today. I'm Don Powers of Global One, high above the Iron Workers. Children cannot learn when they are hungry. Food insecurity also affects their mental health. That's why Global News and the Grocery Foundation are partnering for Toonies for Tummies and nourishing children in countless communities. Donate today to Toonies for Tummies in-store or online. Canadians say they're feeling a lot during this pandemic, reporting increased anxiety, stress, and having difficulty unplugging. That all contributes to the struggle to get a good night's rest. As Jamie Marocker reports, researchers say the use of melatonin as a solution is on the rise, but it's not without health risks. At this Calgary clinic, experts have noticed the pandemic appears to have increased the number of people struggling with sleep. And it is partially due to covid and the new reality of screen are even more uh, proponent than they used to be before the pandemic. The inability to shut off is literally messing with our minds, says sleep specialist Jonathan Charret. If you are uh, blasting your brain with light, such as blue light, you will reduce the secretion of melatonin. Melatonin is a hormone in your body. It regulates your sleep-wake cycles, increasing when it's dark. But you can also get it in pill form. A new study out this week reveals the use of melatonin as an over-the-counter supplement is increasing in the U.S., but it's not regulated like a drug, instead classified as a natural product by both the U.S. FDA and Health Canada. Researchers have found the pills may not contain the amount of melatonin advertised on the label. Some of them only had a quarter of what they said they had, and others had five times as much. And some of them also had other contaminants in them. So it's unfortunately very difficult to get a good, reliable supply. Experts worry Canadians are using melatonin as a catch-all remedy for sleep. It isn't without its consequences, linked to everything from headaches, dizziness and nausea to mild anxiety and depression. Emergency room nurse Jason Powell knows how hard sleep is to come by, especially for overworked frontline workers. But he cautions melatonin is a Band-Aid solution. You know, when you're when you're trying to mess with Mother Nature, there's consequences. Instead, experts say stop staring at your screens at least 30 minutes before bed and make sure your sleep space is quiet and dark. If that doesn't work, consult a professional. Jamie Marocker, Global News, Toronto. Starting tomorrow, cigarettes sold in Canada will come in larger, plain packaging with more prominent health warnings. The packages are reminiscent of older cigarette packaging in terms of size. The nondescript branding allows health warnings to be more of the focus. A number of groups have lobbied for the plain packaging and larger warnings for years, including the Canadian Cancer Society, which says 30% of all cancer deaths are the result of smoking. This larger pack format is going to increase the impact of warnings to uh, have greater awareness of the health effects, to discourage smoking, and it's going to make packages less convenient because of the bigger size. They're harder to fit in a pocket. Cunningham notes that smoking remains the leading cause of preventable disease and death in Canada, killing nearly 48,000 people every year. And coming up next, the power of Mackey's Place. In my own life, my own confidence level's gone up. 
Why the Surrey safe haven for challenged youth now has an uncertain future. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Another year in a new reality. A look at Vancouver's second virtual Lunar New Year parade is coming up right after the weather. Right now, though, we are bringing in meteorologist Yvonne Shell for a look at that forecast. We could just continue talking about today. It was so nice out there. <laughs> yeah, it was really nice. It was pleasant. We had a fair bit of sunshine, dry conditions. There is a little bit of a blip in the forecast, and this will be for back to work in school. And I'll have the timeline, but then it's in the long range that we're actually going to see temperatures starting to warm up. And I'll show you which days in just a moment. Right now, we're sitting at three degrees. We've got a bit of cloud cover rolling in this evening, but light winds northwesterly. And with the light winds, this evening. We are going to see some fog once again and then an increase in cloud cover for many areas. A chance of showers is going to move in. We could even see some drizzle late this evening. Temperatures down to three. As we get in towards tomorrow morning heading out for work and school, we'll see that chance for some showers and then through the afternoon with highs closer to nine degrees. Bulk of the moisture is going to be along the north and central coast. We also have dry conditions for most, much of the central interior, but here's how things play out on the future cast. We are going to see the on and off showers for most areas along the south coast. We'll have some fog, especially for the North Columbia region with the fog advisory that is in effect, so dense, limited visibility across that area. And then still remaining unsettled for much of the south coast, we'll be leading in towards our Tuesday. A nice break, though, for Wednesday and a look ahead past that. Now, if you're traveling along the mountain passes, even late this evening along the Sea to Sky, we could see some wet snowfall mixed in there. And then locally for Whistler, we could see up to two centimeters. So check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. Pine Pass could see that range between two and four Rogers Pass 4 and 8 and along the Coquihalla 5 and up to 10 centimeters. Now here's what a snapshot. The ridge is going to weaken slightly for both our Monday and Tuesday. We'll have cloud cover and the chance of showers. But as we get in Wednesday onwards, we're going to see an improvement that is on the way. And then towards the end of the week and leading in towards the weekend, there is the potential to see some double-digit temperatures. Now the northern half of the province, though, areas closer to the water, it'll be breezy at times. Coastal areas will see highs up to 5 degrees. Much of the central interior will start to see an increase in cloud cover. We've got that fog for the Columbia, even a few wet flurries for the southeastern corners and then changing over to a chance of showers. We are going to see temperatures for the Thompson Okanagan, even up to 7 degrees, some breaks in there. And then much of the south coast unsettled. We'll see that chance of showers, some fog, especially for the morning hours. It is going to be breezy at times. The wind's 20 and then near the strait tomorrow we could get up to gusts of up to 60 kilometers per hour. Now here's what we're anticipating. Both Monday and Tuesday on and off showers. I typically don't uh, show the seven-day forecast, but I wanted to illustrate the trend that we're watching, especially towards the end of the week and potentially leading in towards next weekend. We could get into the double digits with highs up to 11 degrees. Nithu? All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Well, for the second year during COVID-19, Vancouver's Lunar New Year Parade went online. Instead of weaving through the streets of Chinatown, the 2022 parade was a virtual celebration to mark the Year of the Tiger. Organizers created a collage of past in-person parades interspersed with messages from the city's mayor and police chief, BC's premier and members of the local Chinese community. In the Chinese zodiac, the tiger is a symbol of strength, bravery and determination. Experts say the new year could also symbolize resilience even in times of struggle. It's hoped the Lunar New Year parade will return to Chinatown in 2023. 
And a happy new year to all indeed. Well, virtually is how the vast majority of our viewers are watching the Olympics, Barry. Yeah, I was going to say my New Year's resolution, never to have another Zoom meeting if ever possible. (laughs) I've had enough. Love the technology early, but I get it and I don't want it. In person (laughs) is much better. Uh, Yeah, the uh, Beijing Olympics, of course, going on right now. A quiet last couple of days for Canada, but we'll update you on uh, how they're doing, trying to set up some medals. And uh, Connor Bedard, who we've featured and everyone knows is the great next thing in hockey, North Van kid, just 16, scored another spectacular, you gotta see it goal today uh, in Calgary. So he's... uh, He's helping all of us sportscasters with the, the great pictures that you have to see. And he's, he's such a good kid, but his, his talent level is ridiculous, and he's only 16, so that's coming up. Just amazing. Thanks for the great content as well. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Also ahead, Dog Adoption Day. There's uh, dogs from everywhere. We are no border rescue. The unique event pairing furry friends with their future families. More than a dozen adorable dogs from around the world are finding new homes in the Okanagan today. As TFS reports, there's no shortage of families looking to add a furry new member. The Posit Ford nonprofit dog rescue hosted a dog adoption event at Paw Academy Dog Training Center in West Kelowna in hopes of placing 15 pups in forever homes. We want to find them a home. That, that's, that's the main reason why we, we got involved with this. The Kelowna-based society rescues, rehabilitates and rehomes hundreds of dogs around the world every year. We have dogs from everywhere. Some are local dogs that have been surrendered to us. We have dogs from Manitoba. We have dogs from even China. So there's uh, dogs from everywhere. We are no border rescue, so we'll rescue anywhere that we can. The lineup of families waiting to bond with the puppies stretched all around the building. Dogs of all ages and sizes, including 10 husky German Shepherd puppies, were there to greet the families. Ryan and I both had dogs growing up, but we hadn't had the opportunity to have a dog uh, recently. So we saw that there was a bunch of dogs coming in from, uh, from, over, from out east and all getting shipped in here. So we thought, well, maybe now's the time. I kind of just want the dog to pick me. I, I've never had a dog before and I really want a puppy. Jacob says that even though dogs are a lot of work, he is well prepared to bring home a furry friend. And I've been doing some stuff. I have a cat at home, so I, would, I know some stuff about doing stuff for cats and dogs. Any dogs who don't get adopted will go back into foster care until a family brings them home. We have a foster program where all of our dogs live with foster homes until they're adopted. We don't have a facility, so we rely very heavily on foster homes. Anyone who wants to adopt a dog can fill out an application with Posit Forward. TFS Global News, West Kelowna. All right, time now for a break. Barry's back with a full sports cast after it, though, and later. If they don't find a building, a new building, or Ismac, he's just, like, going to shut down. Why a beloved refuge for youth in Surrey is having to find a new space. Get ready for CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day. This year, we're celebrating our diversity and embracing our cultures and identities in more open ways. Support programs that encourage healthy self-esteem and compassion by purchasing your pink shirt today at participating London Drugs locations or online. February 6th to 12th is Burn Awareness Week, and this year's theme is Burning Issues in the Kitchen. A leading cause of home fires is unattended cooking. The BC Professional Firefighters Burn Fund is reminding you to stay in the kitchen and be present when cooking. Our BC is brought to you by London Drugs. Get your 2022 Pink Shirt Day merchandise now at London Drugs.
All right, with more on how the Canadians have done in the Olympics and more, Barry's here for the full sportscast. Barry? All right, thanks, Nithu. Uh, no medals for Canada on day two in Beijing, but... There are a few opportunities on day three, including men's snowboard slope style. Three Canadians in the uh, 12-man final, including Mark McMorris. And on the ice right now in curling, Canada has to beat Italy to make it into the playoffs. And right now they're tied at seven in an extra end. So talk about Olympic nerves. Canada does have a hammer, and we'll update you if uh, that match ends. And our Canadian women's hockey team plays Russia at 8.10 p.m. our time tonight. Canada 2-0 so far. They've outscored the opposition 23-2. Now, overnight in the women's freestyle moguls, Whistler's Sofiane Gagnon in her first Olympics had this tremendous run to make it into the top 12. And if she could replicate that run, an excellent chance to move on to the six-person final. But she really had to go for it, and there's risk in moguls, and she paid for it. An Olympian effort by Sofiane Gagnon of Whistler. Canada got shut out of the medals in women's moguls. Once again, the men's downhill postponed for a second day due to high wind. So check out the medal standings as uh, they enter day three. Norway on the top with two gold and three total. And there's Canada alone in 14th with that bronze and silver. This afternoon's scheduled Vancouver Giants game at the Langley Event Center was postponed. Two Giants players tested positive for COVID yesterday when the teams played in Seattle. Same two teams were supposed to play again today. The two Giants players who tested positive are both vaccinated, neither have any symptoms and are feeling fine. Now, North Band's Connor Bedard scored another ridiculous goal today for the Regina Pats. We know he's got a world-class shot, but how about that dangling? That is some of the finest finest moves you will see as he goes around the D and then look at this between the legs to the top corner. Incredible. No wonder he is the consensus number one draft pick in the 2023 NHL draft, which is still 16 months away. Wow. Whitecaps continuing training camp in San Diego played a preseason match against Mexican League squad Club Tijuana. Ryan Gauld whips it into the box. Leo Awosu finds it, then fires home. Whitecaps up 1-0. Second half, they're down 2-1, but Toussaint Ricketts will tuck in a rebound, and the Caps and uh, Tijuana end in a two-all draw. Caps play again against USA side uh, New Mexico United on Wednesday. Regular season just three weeks away. NLL lacrosse last night. Chris Gill's Vancouver Warriors hosting Panther City, which are out of Dallas. Down 3-2 in the first, but Kyle Killen. Killing the penalty, scores the goal. One of his four on the day. That's a shorthanded goal. Tied it at three. Second quarter, Warriors start to pull away. Alder Grove's Ryan Martell whips home a laser. He had a hat trick. 8-6 Vancouver, whose offense really came to life last night. Warriors get more. The shot is fired over the net, but Jordan McBride right there for the rebound. 11-7 Warriors at half. In the third, off the rush, Brandon Goodwin stops and pops. 12-7 Vancouver. And then Logan Schuss will add to the Vancouver totals. Warriors with a season-high 17 goals. They even their record up at 3-3 three three after beating Panther City 17-11. Scotty's final from Thunder Bay. Canada's Kerry Anderson looking for a third straight title, taking on Northern Ontario's Krista McCarville, who's from Thunder Bay. Third end tied at one. Canada with an opportunity to get their deuce. Anderson needs the hit and stick. There's the hit and the stick. She got it. Gets two. Takes a 3-1 lead in the fifth. Another chance for Canada to put up a crooked number, and they do. Anderson, a wide-open hit for three. And 
The two-time Canadian champ's not going to miss that. Up 6-2 at one point, but it's close now. 8-6 with Northern Ontario with Hammer playing the 10th. Final round of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Weather has been spectacular at one of the most picturesque golf courses on the planet. Jordan Spieth won this tournament in 2017. Uh, he was one back when the day began. Uh, one back playing the par 3 12th as well until this great tee shot to five feet. He would uh, make the birdie putt and Jordan was in a tie for the lead. Then on the 13th from 13 feet, Spieth will roll in another birdie to get to 18 under and he actually had a two shot lead playing the back but here comes Tom Hoagie from 140 yards out at 16, and this is about perfect. Has a chance to actually go in for the eagle, stops just short for the tap-in birdie, and while that was going on, Spieth bogey the 17th, so Hoagie takes the lead by one, thanks to the bogey. And then at 17, Hoagie with a 22-footer will knock this in for another birdie. And Hoagie wins for the first time ever on the PGA Tour, beating Spieth by two. Hoagie's last win came on the Canadian Tour back in 2011. Nick Taylor finished tied 14th, won 164,000. Adam Hadwin tied 16th. Adam Spenson 49th. Unfortunately, no TV time for any of the BC boys. Final round of the Asian Tour's Saudi International. American Harold Varner needed a birdie here at the 18th to tie for the lead and force a playoff with Bubba Watson. He's off the green. This is about 92 feet away. It takes a while to get to the hole, but it's tracking. I think you know what's going to happen. It drops for an eagle and the win. Varner's biggest professional victory. Hasn't won yet on the PGA Tour, but he pockets a million dollars here on the Asian Tour. Truly a million-dollar shot there for Harold Varner. FA Cup. Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool meeting Cardiff City. Scoreless opening half, but Liverpool strike off the free kick. Trent Alexander-Arnold whips it in the box. Diego Jota heads it in, and it's 1-0 Reds. And Cardiff City may be guilty of being a little casual around to their own goal. Luis Diaz picks the pocket of the defender, steals it, sets up Takumi Minamino. 2-0 Liverpool, and they go on to win this 3-1. So Liverpool through to the fifth round of the FA Cup, which is the final 16. Those matches go March 2nd. And NFL Pro Bowl from Las Vegas, AFC versus the NFC. Russell Wilson, ninth Pro Bowl appearance, but this was uh, pretty forgettable. Probably the worst of his nine. Two interceptions, no touchdown passes, but uh, Wilson wasn't the only quarterback throwing the picks in this one. Patrick Mahomes of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs flings one right into the waiting hands of Antoine Winfield Jr. of the Buccaneers. Winfield takes it all the way back, 61 yards for the touchdown, although we will say tackling was frowned upon in this game, obviously. 14-13, AFC still led. AFC led by uh, Justin Herbert through a pair of touchdowns, including this one to Mark Andrews of the Baltimore Ravens, 28-21 AFC at the half. And then Patriots quarterback Mac Jones, who had a great rookie season, finds Hunter Renfro of the uh, hometown Raiders for the touchdown. AFC win 41-35. Real football returns next Sunday. Rams and Bengals from Los Angeles. Super Bowl 56. That's a 3.30 kickoff. That's it for sports, Nathan. All right, thanks so much, Barry. And we'll be right back with more on why a Surrey support house for youth is being forced out of its home.
Well, Mackey's Place in Surrey offers a lot of things to young people in the inner city. They can learn culinary skills, work in their bistro, or just meet new friends. It's had a positive impact on many young lives in recent years, but with a move-out deadline fast approaching, it's facing an uncertain future. Jay Durant has more in today's This is BC. Hey, Max, how you doing? We're going to chop a little mushroom today. Going to be for our stir-fry. They're learning work skills at Mackey's Place. This might even turn into a career for some students. Uh, Well, we have one right now that's looking at maybe being a butcher. Um, Have other ones that uh, maybe want to go into catering, right? So maybe they don't want to be in the restaurant industry. Maybe a little slower pace where they can make some different dishes for special events. So this is one of the three parts of our... But even more important than acquiring these techniques is the confidence everyone seems to gain after coming through the doors. In my own life, my own confidence level has gone up. I've literally been able to put myself on a higher pedestal than what I used to. First, we put the coffee grinds in. For the past five years, Mackey's Place has been a beacon for youth struggling with various challenges. Try to control my anger more. During the summer, I didn't have many friends because a lot of things happened. Uh, I was getting in a little bit of trouble. And then I came here and I met all of these amazing women and all of these amazing friends. And a safe haven from even more serious issues. Abuse, sexual assault, um, addictions. Hundreds of kids come to Mackey's Place to shoot hoops, have a hot drink and meal, or just hang out but they've outgrown this location. The church that has generously donated the buildings needs its space back, and the deadline to find a new home is looming. If they don't find a building, a new building, is Mackie's just, like, going to shut down? That would break my heart. A lot of these kids have really no chance, and no one to believe in them. It's a desperate time, but they're hopeful they can find a new facility. Mackie's place has come too far and means too much to suddenly disappear. I just know Mackey's is where I'm going to go to feel safe and I'm welcome. And they're so opening to everybody. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people should know about, you can email your ideas to jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. He's been doing an incredible job and a lot of fantastic stories there, including that one. I can say the same word... <laughs> to describe the forecast. Yeah, it was, it was pleasant today. It was uh, nice to see the sunshine out there. Bit of a blip in the forecast will be for both our Monday, Tuesday, chance for some showers. We'll have that fog setting up overnight and into the morning hours on Monday. So a heads up for that early morning commute. Breezy at times, especially near the Strait. And then Wednesday onwards, we're in for a fair bit of sunshine and even warming up potentially into the double digits. Nice to see Spring is work. coming, Yvonne. Yes. I can feel it. <laughs> right around the corner. All right, thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Krista Dow will be here at 11. Have a great night.